0: Good evening everybody, Matt Spear from Don't Unfriend Me. It is February 17th, Wednesday, and it is episode 104. I am under the weather. And before we get into that, I will tell you that I was laying there feeling sorry for myself and I started thinking about Rush Limbaugh, as most of you know, who passed away today. And he had lung cancer, he had debilitating hearing loss, and went through a very long bout of drug addiction and recovery, and I was saying to myself this morning, "Get up, go, drive to Washington D.C." And I couldn't muster it. Uh, one because I was driving the wrong type of seat; it wasn't a car. And I feel a little bit better. And I said, "Okay, I, I'm going to get up and do the show because who am I? I don't have lung cancer. I don't have debilitating hearing loss." And uh, my addiction to opiates is over. I I better just get up and go and do the show. So here we are, and this will be a testament to Rush Limbaugh, but it certainly won't be an epitaph or it won't be an opus. I'm prepared to talk about the good and the bad. I wasn't the biggest fan of Rush Limbaugh, honestly. I disagreed with many things that he said, but I can't disagree with the impact that he had on conservatism conservatism today But more importantly, the impact that he had on liberalism, which is also extraordinary. So we're going to go over that. And um, that's really all we're going to talk about tonight. But I think you'll find it a good show. I think you'll find it entertaining. If you don't know who Rush Limbaugh is, stick around. If you do, also stick around. Because remember, that's the point of Don't Unfriend Me. It's not to always feel great about the topic. It's to learn something new and to tolerate things that make you feel uncomfortable. Because there is no growth in the comfort zone. Hence why I'm on here, and I should probably be asleep. Rolling Stone, the magazine... No, no, I know. It's actually not a political magazine. It's supposed to be musical and about music, the music industry, but that's a long time past. Similar to MTV no longer doing music videos, Rolling Stone doesn't resemble anything of its former self and has now become a political hit job. Four hours after Rush has died and his body's not even cold yet, the political hit job started where they say that he essentially did his best to destroy America and that he was a virus and comparing him to a virus. So as I process bad news and process morbid topics like death or suicide or just current events that don't make you feel good inside, I use humor to process them. And Some people don't understand that. My family doesn't understand. I don't cry only time I've ever cried of losing somebody was my uncle, and that happened 45, 50 days later as I was driving on a highway, and I have no idea what happened. I guess the little bit of the ice around my heart has, has melted, but I usually process things with humor, and tonight will be no exception. So in honor of Rush Limbaugh, no matter where he is, his ardent supporters believe he's in heaven, and the people who despised him think he's in hell. I hope he gets a chuckle from this tonight, because these... Are the, are the lists of what if you were a virus? Now, not a common cold, but a computer virus. We all know the kind. You get a virus by surfing naughty sites that you shouldn't go to or hacking music or getting free video games or whatever, an email, phishing email, whatever it is. And if you have a Windows computer and not a Mac, you can get a virus. It takes over your computer. It corrupts it. It takes over your files. It uses your processing power. It slows it down, and it's horrible. And like sleeping with a prostitute from Taiwan, it's just never the same different type of virus. So here are the celebrity computer viruses. And if celebrities were actually a virus, this is what they would do. And this is the virus they would be. Monica Lewinsky virus sucks all the memory out of your computer. Did I tell you Rush Limbaugh likes cigars too soon. Okay. Ronald Reagan virus saves your data but forgets where it's stored. We should do that in Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan virus saves your data, but forgets where it is stored. I haven't done Ronald Reagan in a while. That was a little rusty. Mike Tyson virus quits after one byte. B-Y-T-E. So clever. Oprah Winfrey virus. Your 200 megabyte hard drive suddenly shrinks to 80 megabytes and then slowly expands to 300 megabytes, going to one terabyte and back down to 200 megabytes. That's a fat joke. Lorena Bobbitt virus turns your hard disk into a 3.5-inch floppy. <laughs> That's good. Dr. Jack Kevorkian virus searches your hard drive for old files and deletes them. Oof. Ellen DeGeneres virus. Your IBM suddenly claims it's a Mac. <laughs> oh, lesbian joke. Don't cancel me. Actually, you guys are canceling her, so it doesn't matter. You probably laughed. That's what it's like to laugh, liberals. It's fun, right? Fun. Kind of like interpretive dance, you know, that you always do. Titanic virus makes your whole computer go down. I guess that could be the Monica Lewinsky virus, too. Or would that be the Bill? That would be the Bill Clinton virus. Okay, whatever. Disney virus, everything in the computer goes goofy or cancels and escapes. That's also a good one, too, especially with recent news. Hire Gina Carano back, you insufferable communist Nazi bastards prozac virus screws up your ram but your processor doesn't care that's good sharon stone virus makes a huge initial impact then you forget it's there the tim allen virus appears helpful only to destroy your hard drive upon contact The HBO virus runs the same programs over and over, week after week after week. The Woody Allen virus bypasses the motherboard and turns on a daughter card. (laughs) The NFL blackout virus will only let you run programs on a remote terminal that's more than 75 miles away. Blackout restrictions, especially during COVID. Seriously, you money-grabbing leeches. The Linda Tripp virus makes copies of your personal files and forwards them to the authorities. Here it is, the Bill Clinton virus won't let you query the system for information. So the Bill Clinton virus won't let you query the system for information in case you couldn't under, couldn't understand what I was saying. Can you define is? I don't understand the word it. Monica just was under the desk and I patted her head and gave her a little nod and said, thank you, Monty. F- the FEMA virus promises to save your files, but is extremely slow. Texas, has FEMA even showed up yet? The Rush Limbaugh virus biases everything to the right. That wasn't too bad. The Ken Star virus expands a focused search of a specific file into a global interrogation of every existing file, creates links between unrelated data, works extremely slow while searching and compiling results. That's good. Al Gore virus runs quietly in a background mode but doesn't appear to really do much of anything and minimizes his carbon footprint. Saddam Hussein virus won't let you into any of your programs. The Tonya Harding virus turns your .bat file into lethal weapons. The George Michael virus runs its course, occasionally releasing excess data buildup. The Joey Buttafuoco virus only attacks minor files. (laughs) That's the best one so far. The Jerry Jerry Seinfeld virus, program about nothing that exits when you're really enjoying it. The David Caruso NYPD blue virus, after running successfully for a while, it exits the program it was in and never works again. Isn't that the truth? He's like Fox. He just cancels great programs. The Pee Wee Herman virus exposes your confidential files to everyone. The X-Files virus, all your icons start shape-shifting. The Spice Girls virus has no real function but makes a pretty desktop. The AT&T virus, every three minutes it tells you what great service you are getting. The Arnold Schwarzenegger virus terminates and stays resident. It'll be back, and so will I. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, folks, and it's wonderful to have you here. My name is Matthew Spear, as I said, and I love having you here. This is episode 104. We're going to talk about Rush Limbaugh. What do we do here on Don't Unfriend Me? Well, first, you can like, subscribe, share, and if you do, God will not kill a puppy. It'll be right here. There's a little red envelope on YouTube, and then you can also reach me on all of these handles. And please let me know how I'm doing. Give me some comments. Give me some likes, follows. Once again, uh, I need your sympathy. I'm under the weather, and all of your lovely comments help me. And the people who come on my site, the trolls are starting to come out. I was warned that once you get around 10,000, they start coming out. And oh boy, we had an anti Semite on our site. I had to ban my first person. Folks, listen, if you want me to get banned, be anti Semitic, be racist, you know, sexist. Uh, I don't care if you're sexist. I don't care if you make controversial comments. But when you start degrading women and being anti-Semitic and saying that Jews had it coming, you you need to go and you will go. I don't care who you support. And, and then sending me a message and saying, well, I support Donald Trump. Well, that doesn't speak volumes for you. And if you say you support Obama, I don't care either. There are a-holes in every bunch and you are one of them. So please don't feed the trolls. And if you do do that, I will ban you. That's not unfriending. We never were friends, and I would never be friends with a scumbag like you. Thank you. Rush Hudson Limbaugh III was born January 12, 1951. He was 70 years old, and he died today. He was from Cape Girardeau, Missouri, in the United States, obviously, because Missouri is in the United States, if you didn't know. (sighs) My writer i need I need an editor february seventeenth twenty twenty one I said he died he was from Palm Beach, Florida, most importantly, he was a radio political commentator, as most of us know, but he was a shock jock, very similar to Howard Stern, but the crude and the vulgar side wasn't necessarily there. He was to be found abhorrent by most people with his viewpoints, and that was the shocking part. he often spoke his mind, he often Stayed the course when maybe he should have refrained at some points. He didn't have the best choices, but what he did do was remain loyal to his ideals, loyal to his party. And he believed what he believed with no equivocation. And I have to admire him for that. He's been doing very well up until today as far as his career and it unfortunately came to an end, as we know. But doing something for 50 years in this business is not easy. I've been doing it for six months, and I'm already exhausted. I grew up listening to people like Paul Harvey, Vin Scully, James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman, Larry King, and Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, Although I wasn't a big fan of Glenn Beck or Rush Limbaugh because I think they came from the same cloth. Glenn Beck is more of a conspiracy theorist and makes predictions that never come true and always talks about end of days and it doesn't happen. So he's annoying. But Rush Limbaugh did have his inequities and he also had his strengths. But I wasn't a huge fan of Rush Limbaugh, but there was something that I thought he did extremely well and something that I've taken away from him. He was able to incite a riot in people or a calming peace. And you always learn something from him. And I'll go into that a little bit later. But the thing that I learned from more of an aesthetics piece is that he was fantastic at pausing and allowing people to come in to what he was saying and then quickly speaking again. So they couldn't leave that temperance or that rhythm to his show was magical and he does it very, very well, along with Mike Rowe. And I've taken notes how he does it. But for 50 years, he was on the airwaves, and he, he garnered $600 million for doing so. And that is a hefty living. And you have to say, anyone who makes $600 million certainly earned it. That is, unless it's Hillary Clinton. Spouses, Roxy, Maxine McNeely, who was married four times, Michelle Sixta, and Marta Fitzgerald, and lastly, Catherine Rogers, which I will have a eulogy of some sort from her that I think is very poetic and wraps it up very, very well. Rush Limbaugh had some controversy, controversial opinions. In fact, pretty much everything that he said was controversial. But once again, he stuck by his guns. He never apologized, and he never would allow anyone to cancel him. And what's interesting is he was more self-deprecating after certain things happened, than the media ever could be. But let's be completely clear. He was hated, and probably one of the most hated men in America for a long period of time, but also the most revered. And like Howard Stern, it's interesting, the listeners of Howard Stern, when they were doing the ratings, would talk about why the demographic and how long they listened to Howard Stern. And the report would say, the people who love Howard Stern listen on an average of 61 minutes. And then the question would be, well, how about the people who hate him? Well, those people listen for 82 minutes. Well, why do the people who like him listen? Because they want to find out what he's, what he's going to say next. Well, why do the people who hate him listen? Because they want to find out what he's going to say next. And the same held true for Rush Limbaugh. And that riot that I talked about is synonymous with Howard Stern or Bill Maher or Rush Limbaugh because they create that inside people. And that ultimately is a very healthy thing if you know how to process it. It teaches you what not to listen to. It teaches you how not to be. And we can learn something from everybody, especially if we only learn that. He was known for making racial controversial related statements with regard to African-Americans. He once opined that all newspaper composite pictures of wanted criminals resembled Jesse Jackson. And that is most assuredly racist. But then again, another time, he said the NFL all too often looked like a game between the Bloods and the Crips without any weapons. And I happen to agree and think that's hilarious. It's not racist to call it true. There is a definite element inside football and basketball that is different than other sports. And it's not about the color of people's skin. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the the violent... Conversations or the drug addiction or the spousal abuse that happens in these sports, the drunk driving, the grandstanding, the acting like they've never scored before, the throat slashing, the wearing certain controversial political statements whether it be blm taking a knee and constantly having to be about them the sitting out for a full year of the contract isn't right or refusing to play for the team that you were drafted for all of these things has created a reputation inside basketball and football where they have a reputation problem and he was simply comparing it to something very very extreme but it still gets the point across and i didn't find it racist at all i find it humorous But everybody has a cross to bear. Sexual consent, something I did not agree with Rush Limbaugh. I agree with sexual consent. But Rush Limbaugh dismissed the concept of consent in sexual relations. He viewed consent as the magic key to the left. Now, I want to be clear. Rush Limbaugh believed marriage between a man and a woman. And he believed that premarital sex was wrong. And whether he followed that policy, I don't know. But that's what he is ultimately saying, is that you don't need to ask for consent. Because if you follow the law of God... Marriage will take place, and that is the consent a woman gives you and a man gives the woman. I don't think he was talking about going to a party and slipping a woman in roofie and having date rape, but you never know. But unfortunately, that's the problem with the shock jocks is that most people don't actually listen to what they're saying. They listen to what they want to hear to reaffirm their own personal beliefs. Drug policy, probably the most hypocritical of all of his thought processes, Limbaugh had been an outspoken critic of what he saw as leniency towards criminal drug use in the U.S. On his television show on October fifth, nineteen 1995, Limbaugh stated, too many whites are getting away with drug use and illegal drug trafficking. Obviously, he had some problems with that, and that is one of the things that we have in Kahneman uh, economy, synonymous with each other and in common is our addiction to opioid um, hydrocodone and oxycodone and the story is moving when he talks about it and we'll, re- we'll go over a little bit of that tonight environmental issues limbaugh was critical of environmentalism and climate science as most republicans have been he rejected the scientific consensus on climate change and the relationship between cfc's and the depletion of the ozone layer saying the scientific evidence didn't support them He was outspoken against climate change and global warming, and he wasn't a big fan of Al Al Gore, President Obama, or all those hippies who believed that we were drying up exponentially day over day, month over month, and year over year. Feminism. Limbaugh was critical of feminism, as I have been, which he viewed as advancing on liberals and not women in general, which I also believe. Feminism has become almost a man-hating trope versus a women empowerment. And I ask you again, If you feel feminism is necessary today, please tell me one law that is on the books that is not equal between man and woman. And I will tell you one that is actually leaning in favor of women, which is the selection draft. Thank you. Middle East. Limbaugh was supportive of the Iraq War. We disagreed on that. And first suggested bombing... Iraq in 2002 in revenge for the September 11th attack, although Iraq had nothing to do with the September 11th attack, as we know, and there were no chemical weapons. Trade. In 1993, Limbaugh supported the NAFTA agreement, which is interesting because that's opposite of Trump, and a lot of Republicans actually disagreed with Trump on his trade policies. I happen to agree with Trump on his trade policies. I thought the NAFTA agreement was absolutely one of the biggest mistakes ever in the history of our economy. Joking in response to claims that it would lead to a transfer of unskilled labor to Mexico, that this would leave the United States with only better jobs. Once again, not racist, but could definitely fire people up. Barack Obama, Rush Limbaugh strongly opposed Barack Obama in 2008 presidential election and spread false claims that Obama was a non-citizen, not born in the United States. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see the stupid birther certificates. Okay. I don't care. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. That was created by the Hillary Clinton campaign. I can show you all the emails. Podesta leaked it. Enough. I don't want to hear any more QAnon conspiracy theories, for the love of God. Donald Trump, Limbaugh, was consistently supportive of the candidacy and the presidency of Donald Trump, although he endorsed Ted Cruz during the 2016 Republican Party presidential primaries and took issue with Trump's treatment of Cruz, which anybody would. Limbaugh later criticized Cruz's uh, hesitance to endorse Trump after his nomination at the 2016 RNC, comparing it to Ted Kennedy's lukewarm support of Jimmy Carter. I can't get on Ted Kennedy for that. He may have been three sheets to the wind, but nobody supported Jimmy Carter, even the American people, at the 1980 DNC. He had his conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theory tropes, and he had his his own beliefs when it came to this, and I believe that he read too much of the Drudge Report at times. He alleged false flags attacks. After the Unite the Right rally, the vehicle ramming attack in Charlottesville, Virginia, Limbaugh defended Trump's controversial response to the rally and claimed that the violence had been provoked by Black Lives Matter activists Antifa and Robert Creamer. Now, I want to be clear I support that Donald Trump's comments were absolutely non inflammatory and nobody listened to the other 35 seconds, five seconds after they cut the clip. But to say that this was paid for by a false flag, I don't buy into any of those things. He also claimed without evidence that the police response had been deliberately restrained by Terry McAuliffe as a botched attempt to start a presidential bid in the 2020 Democratic Party presidential primaries, and that it was part of a campaign by international financiers such as George Soros to start a second American Civil War to remove its status as global superpower. After attention on Trump's comments renewed when Joe Biden criticized them in announcement of his twenty twenty presidential campaign, Limbaugh again defended them by repeating claims that some of his protesters were not white supremacists and were protesting the removal of the statue of Robert E. Lee. And they were. But that's the problem is that nobody listens to the full clip. You can go to one of my shows where I already talk about this. I can't dig it up. It's way too many shows. But I'm telling you, it's there where I go into the clip and prove to you that Donald Trump said nothing wrong except that he paused and transitioned, which allowed an abrupt cut into the speech and allowed the media to hack it apart and twist it into whatever they wanted to. Limbaugh claimed that the October 2018 United States mail bombing attempts were perpetuated as a false flag operation to draw public attention away from Central American migrant caravans. He reiterated that these claims two weeks after the arrest of the primary suspect, Caesar Sayoc, a registered Republican. On his show, Limbaugh said that the Christchurch mosque shootings of March 2019 may have been a false flag operation. Limbaugh described an ongoing theory that the shooter was actually a leftist trying to smear the right despite providing no source of evidence. Limbaugh continued, you can't immediately discount this. The left is insane. They are this crazy. Controversies and inaccuracies. Um, the fairness uh, report allegedly fifty dif- different inaccuracies and distortion in Limbaugh's commentary. Comedian Al Franken, who later became a senator, wrote a satirical nineteen ninety six book. Rush Limbaugh is a big fat idiot and other observations in which he accused Limbaugh of distorting the facts to serve his own political bias. Of Limbaugh's controversial statements and allegations, they have investigated Politifact has rated eighty four percent as ranging from mostly false to pants on fire. signifying extremely false with 5% of Limbaugh's contested statements rising to the level of mostly true and zero... Okay. PolitiFact, fact checkers, it's all crap. There's true and false. There's it. There is no gray area. That is the problem. You take each individual statement and you can't line them up into four or five different paragraphs and treat them all the same. Either what he said was true or false. There is no such thing as mostly true or mostly false. False. This is an absolute ridiculous, ridiculous endeavor that is being propagated by Facebook, Twitter, and everyone else. And I actually hear people say that. Oh, it was mostly true. It's right up there with her truth and truth to power. Nails on a chalkboard for me. These debunked allegations by Limbaugh included suggestions that the existence of guerrillas disproves the theory of evolution, that Ted Kennedy sent a letter to Soviet General Secretary Yuri Andropov seeking to undercut President Reagan, that a recent lack of hurricanes disapproves climate change, and that President Obama wanted to mandate circumcision. Limbaugh has been criticized for inaccuracies by the Environmental Defense Fund, a defense fund that reported the Princeton University endowed geoscience professor Michael Oppenheimer and professor of biology David Wilcove, lists 14 significant scientific facts that the authors allege Limbaugh misrepresented in his book. And this goes on and on, and people have been saying this for years. This is the problem, is that the left absolutely took everything that he said, very similar to any presidential candidate or political Political outspoken figure like the Gina Carano incident or Ben Shapiro or anyone that they have canceled over the last few years, including some of their own like Ellen DeGeneres and the author of the Harry Potter books, J.K. Rowling. Even if you go on Wikipedia, you will see there is nothing but endless lists of negative about Rush Limbaugh and I know it might feel daunting but we will go to the good things that he did as well but I want you to understand the polarity that took place inside people's souls when it came to this guy because it is prolific and profound Michael J. Fox, in 2006, Limba- Limbaugh said Michael J. Fox, who suffers from Parkinson's, had exaggerated the effects of his affliction in a political TV advertisement advocating for funding of stem cell research. Limbaugh said that Fox and the ad had been shameless and moving all around and shaking and that Fox had not taken his medication or he's acting one of the two. The irony of it is, I was too medicated, adding that there was no way to predict how his symptoms would manifest. Limbaugh said he would apologize to Fox, bigly, hugely, if I am wrong in characterizing his behavior on this commercial as an act. In 2012, Fox said Limbaugh in 2006 had acted on bullying and instincts when he said, I faked it. I didn't fake it. And said Limbaugh's goal was to have him marginalized and shut down for his stem cell stance. Something I take issue with is his comments about phony soldiers, that anyone who opposed the Iraq war who was a soldier wasn't a real soldier, and once again, these comments were something that followed him around for most of his life. Sandra Fluke, while talking about contraceptive mandates, included remarks about law student Sandra Fluke as a slut and a prostitute. These are just overall facts about him. He also wasn't a big fan of the COVID-19 pandemic and felt that it was overhyped and said that it was just a common cold, as most of us did during that time to defend him just a bit. I said the same thing on my Facebook page. The thing about Rush Limbaugh that you need to understand is that that is the bad But that is the bad based upon perspective, because it's written by people who are trying to change the narrative. And if we were honest, there was a lot in there that isn't as black and white as they make it seem, and it often isn't. For people who say truth can have gray and false can have gray, they certainly don't believe that conservatives have any gray in their life. It is either black or it is white, and there is nothing in between. And I find that to be extremely repulsive, and consistent with the leftist beliefs. Rush Limbaugh had his demons. He was married several times. He never had children, but he believed in the family and he believed in education and he believed in kids. He believed in our soldiers, even though he made mistakes and said things that he shouldn't, as we all have said things that we're not proud of. He was a faithful man. And in the end, I believe he was a humble man. He suffered from prescription drug addiction and health problems, and ultimately his death was a painful one. He talks long and hard about his addiction to opiates with oxycodone and hydrocodone and how he would go from doctor to doctor and have drug-seeking behavior. And this is something that is common in not just Rush Limbaugh because he's the devil to some people. He's a human being, and he is flawed like we all are, as I am as I went through some of the same things, just to find my next bottle of pills. It is a horrible addiction, and many people, many people don't even know they've been addicted to opiates. Two out of three people who've taken any hydrocodone or oxycodone for longer than five days have experienced withdrawals and semi-addiction to the medication. That is how potent it is. And I want you to imagine for somebody who is going through severe pain or chronic pain that this is the only solution for most. And it is very easily a a quick transfer to become habitual, but not necessarily addicted. There are two different things. Habitual is a physical dependency. Addicted is a mental dependency. I have been very clear that I was on both accounts habitually and mentally addicted to narcotics, as was Rush Limbaugh. So before we cast stones, let's look at some of the things that he did well. He was an avid supporter and raised millions of dollars for Tunnels to Towers Foundation, Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation, Leukemia and Lymphoma Telethon, and also the Men in Blue and the Thin Blue Line. Limbaugh was widely recognized as one of the premier voices of conservative movement in the United States. Beginning in 1990, a 1992 letter that Ronald Reagan wrote thanked him for all you're doing to promote Republican and conservative principles, and you have become the number one voice for conservatism in our country. In 1994, Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives made Limbaugh an honorary member. 1995, Limbaugh was profiled on PBS series Frontline in a one-hour documentary, documentary called Rush Limbaugh's America. Limbaugh refused to be interviewed, but his mother, brother, and many Republican supporters took part as well as critics and opponents. By the 1990s, Limbaugh had become known for his love of cigars, saying, I think cigars are just a tremendous addition to the enjoyment of life. During his syndicated television program from 92 to 96, he also became known for wearing distinctive neckties. In response to viewer interest, Limbaugh launched a series of ties designed primarily by his then wife, Marta Limbaugh. Used props, songs, and photos to introduce his monologues and various topics. On his radio show, News About the Homeless was often preceded by the Clarence Frogman Henry song, Ain't Got No Home. For a time, Dion Warwick's song, I Know, I'll Never Love This Way Again, preceded reports about people with HIV and AIDS. These later became condom updates, preceded by Fifth Dimension song, Up, Up, and Away. For two weeks in 1989 on his Sacramento radio show, Limbaugh performed Caller Abortions, where he would call and end a call suddenly to the sounds of a vacuum cleaner and a scream. He would then deny that he had and hung up on the caller, which he had promised not to do. Limbaugh claims that he used this gag to illustrate the tragedy of abortion as well as to highlight the question of whether abortion constitutes murder. It's interesting, so many people took offense to that, but not the murder of the baby itself, but him playing a practical joke, which is also in bad taste, and it is extremely trying and mentally debilitating to a mother who goes through that, no matter the person or the circumstance. However, it's interesting when a tasteless joke becomes primary over murder during the clinton administration while taping his television program limbaugh referred to media coverage of socks and the clinton's cat he then stated but did you know there is also a white house dog and a picture of chelsea clinton was shown When questioned about it limbaugh claimed that it was an accident and that without permission some technician had put up the picture of chelsea Back to some of the good news, Limbaugh was awarded the Marconi Radio Award five times for syndicated radio personality of the year. The National Association of Broadcasters another five times given by uh, the National Association of Broadcasters in 92, 95, 2000, 2005, 2014. He was introduced into the National Radio Hall of Fame in 1993 and the National Association of the Broadcasters Hall of Fame in 1998. By 2001, he inked a $285 million contract for eight years, which was renewed in 2008 for another eight Years at four hundred million. By seventeen, Limbaugh was the second highest paid radio host in the United States, earning an annual salary of eighty four million, second only to Howard Stern. Ranked him uh, Talkers Magazine ranked him as the greatest ever radio talk show host in two thousand two, and in seventeen, he was the most listened to radio host in the United States with fourteen million listeners. Come on, people, I've got seven thousand. Let's work a little harder. Limbaugh was awarded the inaugural William F. Buckley Jr. Award for Media Excellence by the Media Research Center, a conservative media analysis group, in 2007. Conservative magazine Human Events also announced Limbaugh as their 2007 Man of the Year. Later that same year, Barbara Walters featured Limbaugh as one of the most fascinating people of the year in a special that aired on 2008. 2009, following his self-described first address to the nation lasting 90 minutes, carried live on CNN and Fox News and C-SPAN, Limbaugh received CPAC's Defender of the Constitution Award, a document originally signed by Benjamin Franklin, given to someone who has stood up for the First Amendment. Rush Limbaugh is for America, exactly what Benjamin Franklin did for the Founding Fathers. The only way that we will be successful is if we listen to Rush Limbaugh, end quote. In his book, Rush Limbaugh, An Army of One, Um, Chaffetz cited Limbaugh as the brains and spirit behind the Republican Party's resurgence in 2010 midterm elections in the wake of the election of President Obama. Chaffetz also pointed out, among others, to Senator Arlen Specter's defeat after being labeled by Limbaugh as a Republican in name only, and to Sarah Palin, whose biggest uh, biggest current applause line, Republicans are not just the party of no, but the party of hell no, came courtesy of Rush Limbaugh. He noted the Tea Party movement. Rush Limbaugh was inducted in the Hall of Fame of Famous Missourians on 2012 in a secret ceremony announced 20 minutes before it began. A bronze bust of Limbaugh is on display at the Missouri State Capitol in Jefferson City, along with 40 other awardees. In 2020, the day after he announced that he advanced lung cancer, Limbaugh was guest of presidential Donald Trump at a 2020 State of the Union address where he was presented with the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Melania Trump. There is a pattern that you will see early in his life is that his viewpoints and his ideas, they softened a bit. He became almost humble and didn't want the spotlight as much as he once did. He took a back seat to his family and his friends. He was a changed man. And when you go through something as traumatic as 100% hearing loss and going through surgeries, and he was never a, a stunner or a male model, but to have a device on the side of your head to help you hear makes you seem almost a cyborg or different than other people. And it would probably create conflict within you to have something like that. I know I still don't take off my shirt no matter how good of shape I am because of my back surgeries, and I have endless scars on my back. It's an issue for me. It must have been an issue for him and lowered his self-esteem even more. The addiction to painkillers after standing up and being an, an absolute denouncer of all drugs in America and then to be addicted, talking at a both sides of his mouth, it humbled him and to realize that maybe just maybe a little compassion was needed for the people that he constantly lambasted for their own inequities. You see this more in his speech that he gives and when he talks to everybody in America. And I'm going to go to those words now. And it's a beautiful, beautiful testament and a goodbye to America and the country and the people that he loved. After that, we'll listen to his wife and her words, and then I will send my parting thoughts. Enjoy this two minutes of Rush Limbaugh saying goodbye to his
1: fans. So you can't, I can't be self-absorbed about it, when that is the tendency, when you are told that you've got a due date, you have an expiration date. A lot of people never get told that, and so they they um, don't face life this way. This is not a complaint. I'm I'm simply this is why I said so much I want to say today and so much I want to say well, so much I want to say exactly as I'm as I'm feeling it. Because my my point in all of this today is gratitude. My my point in everything today that I share with you about this is to say thanks and to tell everybody involved how much I love you from the bottom of a sizable And growing and still beating heart. And there's room for for much more. All because I've learned what love really is during this. You know, I have a philosophy. There's good that happens in everything. It may not reveal itself immediately. And even in the most dire circumstances, if you just wait, if you just remain open to things... The good in it will reveal itself. And that has happened to me as well.
0: Beautiful words. And I think everyone can hear the humility. And sometimes we look back and say one good deed doesn't cure all of the ills in one person's life or all the bad things that they did. Well, that's what forgiveness is all about. And I know in my impetuous youth that I didn't care much about what people thought, and offending people didn't concern me. And still, I tend to go down that road sometimes. But it's never to harm. It's never to hurt. But you can't control people's feelings, and you can't change their mind. And that is something, once again, that he always tried to do. And in the end, I think he was comfortable with who he was and what he stood for. And there is no truer testament than that than what his wife had to say about him. Hello, everyone. I know that I am most certainly not the Limbaugh that you tuned in to listen to today. I, like you, very much wish Rush Rush was behind this golden microphone right now, welcoming you to another exceptional three hours of broadcasting. For over 32 years, Rush has cherished you, his loyal audience, and always looked forward to every single show. It is with profound sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. As so many of you know, losing a loved one is terribly difficult, even more so when that loved one is larger than life. Rush will forever be the greatest of all time. Rush was an extraordinary man, a gentle giant, brilliant, quick-witted, genuinely kind, extremely generous, passionate, courageous, and the hardest-working person I know. Despite being one of the most recognized, powerful people in the world, Rush never let the success change his core or beliefs. He was polite and respectful to everyone he met, even most recently when he was not feeling well in the hospital. He was so appreciative to every single doctor and nurse and custodian and first responder. He never wanted to put anyone out and always thanked them profusely for their help. From today on, there will be a tremendous void in our lives and, of course, on the radio. Rush loved our miraculous country beyond measure, an unwavering patriot who loved our United States military, our flag, our Constitution, our founding fathers. He proudly fought and defended conservative values in a way that no one else can. Rush often stood up and took arrows on his own because he knew it was the right thing to do. Rush encouraged so many of us to think for ourselves, to learn, and to lead. He often said, and did it not matter where you started. Oh, I'm sorry. He often said, it did not matter where you started or what you like or what you look like. As Americans, we all have endless opportunities like nowhere else in the world. Rush gave us hope that through hard work and determination, we can overcome the obstacles in our lives and be our best. Many of you started small businesses or pursued personal dreams because Rush gave you the faith that you could. He made the most complex issues simple to understand while making the level genius look easy. It most certainly was anything but easy. Irreplicable, remarkable talent. On behalf of the Limbaugh family, I would like to personally thank you and every one of you that prayed for Rush and inspired him to keep going. You rallied around Rush and lifted him up when he needed you the most. I am certain, without a shadow of a doubt, if he could be here today, he would be. He loved you, and he loved this radio program with every part of his being. Instead, we know our rushes in heaven, encouraging us in the same way he always did on earth. Russia's love for our country and belief that our best days are ahead, live on internally. In Russia's honor, we may all continue Russia's mission in our individual lives and communities. I know all of you listening are terribly sad. We all are. I'm terribly sorry to have to deliver this news to you. God bless you. God bless Rush. And God bless, bless our country. On this program, I have the unique opportunity to represent both sides. It's what the show is about. I can't simply say that Rush was the greatest person on earth. I can't say he's in heaven and hell. I can't say he was right or wrong. I'm not God. And I am not the most knowledgeable person in the world. And knowing that and having the humility to understand that i you are not omnipotent that you are not some sort of person on mount sinai look, sinai looking down upon the peasants i have to represent both sides and that's what this show does and whether you loved him or hate him he gave a certain gift back to the world not just the united states he influenced world leaders he influenced christians on missions He influenced CEOs. He influenced foreign leaders. The man left a mark on this planet, and whether you agree with him or not, that mark will forever live on. You know, what's interesting is the Greeks didn't write obituaries. They only asked one question after a man had died. Did he have passion? And Rush Limbaugh most assuredly had passion, passion for everything he did, almost to a fault. His opinions and opines consumed his testament and legacy that he left behind. The vitriolic hatred and unyielding loyalty were polar spectrums from his most ardent supporters and harshest critics. If nothing else, he created chaos within our hearts, minds, and souls. And no matter if you took away enlightenment or he cast a stark shadow inside of yourself, we learn something from his tutelage. That man is flawed. That man is a sinner and that no man is omnipotent, no matter how hard they try. This, above all else, is what I believe Rush learned in the final days, and we can all take a page out of his epitaph in an effort to eclipse our own potential and in inequity. Folks, that's it for me. I will leave with what I always leave with, which is the Veteran Crisis Hotline, one 273 8255 press one Too many veterans commit suicide a day. 22, in fact, we need to do whatever we can to help them. Please reach out. If you can't, reach out to me and I'll call them with you. And if that doesn't work out, go to www.dontunfriendme.com and please click the link. You will have a free connection to the VCL hotline and they will help you. And if you are a civilian, they don't turn anyone away, they will help you as well. Please like, share, and subscribe. And at the end of our ad, I will put up a quick moment of silence for Mr. Rush Limbaugh. May you rest in peace and once again address the riot inside your soul, whether it be good or bad. People should make you feel passion because in the end, that is how we should all be looked upon. Did we live with passion? Thank you so much, everybody, and I will see you tomorrow for episode 105. Thanks for watching. Don't unfriend me, everybody. I want to recommend Alex from Alekos Design. He works on all of my video and graphic design, and he is amazing. Please give him a shot. Please head on over to his website at A-L-E-K-O-S, designs.com. And one more quick thing before we go, folks, Still Point does the music intro for the show. They are listeners. They are fans, and we absolutely love them. Special thanks that amazing song and you can hear citizen soldier at reverbnation.com/stillpoint